100 of the Rich Cheese Radio podcast, your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is my good friend, Schmidt. Schmitty, congrats, bud. 100, we made it. I don't know how. I'm fried mentally, but we did it. We done did it. <laughs> we got to 100. It's amazing. I'm, I, uh, I don't know how to feel. It's kind of surreal, but uh, excited for 100 more. That's for sure. Oh my god! <laughs> if you told me we did 100 more, I'd be very impressed. It's—I I don't think people realize how much of a grind it can be at times. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, in addition to have having a an actual life, but uh, wait, you have one of those? No, no, I don't. Um, how are you there, bud? I'm good, hanging man. In? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there uh, on the road, recording uh, again remotely. So apologize if there's any microphone issues. But uh, listen to last week's episode, it sounded okay, so we're going to roll it this week as well. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, family's good. Everybody's good. How about uh, on your end? Yeah, same. You know, dad stuff, work stuff, uh, trying to not let uh, people book things up for wind-up weekend on me, so uh, not to take away from like the one weekend a year that I try to do stuff on. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so looking forward to that. And uh, while we're uh, exchanging pleasantries, I will bring in our guest. Please welcome. I don't think he needs any introduction, but our good friend Kaz from Two Broke Watch Snobs. Kaz, how are you, my friend? Hello, <laughs> doing doing well. Hey, everyone, Kaz here from Two Broke Watch Snobs. Um, doing well. I'm keeping it together. Congrats, hundred episodes. Thank you. You, know, you guys were uh, you guys are gracious enough to invite me on episode two hundred. Um, so definitely returning the favor was uh, without question. Um, you know something I was down to do. Um, thanks yeah. for hopping on with us. Um, yeah, how are things with you? How's uh, how's the pod? How's the the site and everything? Podcast is good. Site's good. I'm <clears throat> I'm keeping it together. Got a got a four month old, so I'm um, half a human trying to look like a full human. Uh, you know, at work and when people see me walk around the road and shit like that. But no, good. Um, you know, it's funny, but the, I mean, you talk about like folks not knowing what a how much of a grind it is. Like, we're like two. Oh, I never remember the, what episode we're on. Michael, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we're on episode like 260 or 259 of the show, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, 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 the secret that Michael and I had. To keeping momentum going, we're kind of slowing down now in the show a little bit and focusing more on the on the twobrookwashnops.com site. But I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you the secret. Anytime there have been a lot of times when I've jumped on the phone with Mike and I've been like, "Dude, screw this! I hate watches. I want to <laughs> quit this thing forever. This is dumb." Mike would be like, "Mike would be like, are you insane? We're gonna do this, or I'm gonna kill you." Like he would like he would like keep me. He would keep. That's good. He's your straight man. Yeah. He was my. He was. He was. He was my. He was. He was my ballast. You're right. But in moments, in moments where he was just like, he was like, man, I don't know. Work's tough, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with my family. Maybe we should pause the show. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you pulled me through the desert. Mm -hmm. I'm pulling you Mm -hmm. through the desert. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I will return the favor and kill you. (laughs) I will kill you so hard you won't even see coming before you kill me. So uh, all that's to say in a very extended kind of um, metaphor, having a good partner makes all the difference in the world. And it sounds like you guys got that dynamic. So that's huge. You know? Thank you. Thank you. I could not agree more. (laughs) (laughs) Here's to 100 more, man. Here's to 100 more. That's for sure. So cool. Ah, Sorry, my cat's here. You guys can probably hear the bell. Well, I've heard it. I've heard it plenty of times on, on your show. So it's, it's nothing new to me. 
<laughs> and in fact, seeing seeing the teal room is also, uh, you know, it's a it's a bit of an oh experience. yeah, yeah yeah. Oh my god, so. that's so funny. Yeah, there we Michael and I have a tradition. Every time we wrap up the Two Book Watch House podcast, the tradition is I have a panic attack and assume the show was terrible. Like, oh god, dude, that was so stupid. Please, just can you like edit out my entire part so it's just an episode of you by yourself talking with silence? That's the first tradition. The other one is, dude, did you hear my cat? Is my cat is my cat in the track? Mm. Yeah. Um, the answer is usually yes, as I've been told. She's usually in the track. That's uh, too cool, though, man. Yeah. So speaking of cool, and this is this is sort of how I at some point I realized it was serendipity that I wound up messing around in this ridiculous hobby of ours is that little pits, bits and pieces here and there. I find myself having like the six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon style from people. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so listen to how ridiculous this is. Right. So I go on, I go on episode 200 with Kaz and, you know, afterwards we're chit chatting and he's telling me, you know, he went to school out by me over here. Um, and he's like, yeah, I went to, I went to school out there. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, I, I, I know somebody who is a professor at that school. And oh, then he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he told me he majored in English. And I asked him if he had this professor who happens to be, uh, it's my mom's lifelong friend, my brother's godmother, had her. And he's like, I changed my major because of her. Yep. Yeah, like, how yeah. strange. So Telling weird. you. Long so Island. Long Island. That's right. Yeah, it is, it is a very small world. <laughs> I, I, I had taken that class as an English uh, elective. And uh, my dad's a doctor. And there's a joke in there somewhere because you guys can see me on video. My mom is um, like also a very intelligent person as well. And uh, when I went to school, I'm just like, oh, I got to like study business or something. Otherwise, I'm not like a proper human. And I had to take an English elective. I took her class as an English elective. And I remember we read like a poem and we went around the room and we said like what we thought our interpretation of the poem was. And like, I remember I wrote something. I'm like, yeah, it's this. It doesn't matter. It's probably wrong. And we ran around the circle and like I read what I interpreted as and that professor was like, oh, that's really, that's really interesting. I can see that. Like, great job. And I'm like, wait, I'm not wrong. Like, I'm just used to living in a house with people who are like, oh, yeah, no, that's not correct. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, whatever you thought is completely idiotic and you should just return to your cave. Basically, right? Like, dude, just go back upstairs. No dinner for you. How dare you be part of this family? It is like basically the first 18 years of my life until I booked it out of Fort Lauderdale. But like after that class, yeah, changed my major. I was going to be an English teacher. Uh, that didn't work out, obviously. Um, but yeah, small world, bro. Isn't it? Very. It's so funny. Very. Dang, man. So. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll do some quick new stuff just so we can, uh, we can move things along here. But, um, oh, given that it is October, um, I'm sure you've seen everybody and their brothers now getting in on the pink watch thing, which, uh, you know, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> we know we, where it started. We know yeah. where it started. It's- we, um, <laughs> our end of it, we are up over 15 grand on the, the strap donations and stuff. So nice. that's cool. Um, I put out the first of a few watches to be, uh, raffled off this week. It's a GA 2100 G shock, Cassie Oak, whatever you want to call it. It's a, uh, it's green. It's got pink accents. And uh, comes with a pink little Lego guy because the guy who donated it is a, a watch photographer who likes Legos. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, the straps, I know the 22s with the black buckles are gone. The 20s are waning fast. I think only mm-hmm. 22 has a healthy stock. So if you're trying to get one, get one now because they are they're gonzo basically. So uh, definitely hop on that if you haven't. Um, yeah. 
So that's great. But uh, so speaking of G-Shocks, G-Shock put out two watches for uh, to support the fight against breast cancer. One is a black Cassio with pink accents and one is a fluorescent highlighter pink Cassio. I mean, both are, are neat, um, you know, good for them. But, uh, you know, it would have been, nice. been nice been looped in on this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Given the, mm-hmm. the, the price yeah. tag on these, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. thanks, G Shock. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And if you haven't another, seen another snub, yeah, if you haven't seen, uh, yeah. Zenith has put out another pink watch, um, which is the so they had the Chronomaster. Now they have the Chronomaster Sport, which, if you're unfamiliar, looks like the Steel Daytona kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this one's got you know pink pink dial, uh, and in my opinion, looks better than the Chronomaster, even though I like I the Chronomaster I as a watch as a whole better um yeah it looks good it's sporty it's neat um again it's a lot of money <laughs> but yes. uh you know good for the cause how much how much is this thing i'm looking uh, well the not so pink one is 10 grand the zenith so i gotta assume it's either equal or more but i know it's a lot it's eleven thousand five hundred hey, USD. I knew I knew it was a one. little more. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of Hershey's Kisses. Good lord, sure okay. is. word. Sure <laughs> is. And it's and it's an LE, so there's five hundred pieces total, with twenty uh, percent oh, yeah. of the proceeds going to Susan G. Komen. So there you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a rivaling charity. We don't we don't mess with them. All right, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, people are always when these when things like this come out. All right, see the G Shock. I can see people things like this come out, and people are like, yo. You you got to get one of these. I'm like, do you think they want to give something that's twelve thousand dollars to me for no reason? No. <laughs> I was like, I was surprised I got something that was worth. I think it was thirty five hundred, thirty two hundred, whatever it was, for free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, that was cool. But nice. I'm like, nobody wants to hand me twelve grand. All right, <laughs> certainly yeah. not in this economy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, but if you do know somebody who's willing to part with it for free that we can raffle it away, call bro. There you yeah, go. Any in indip- any in uh maybe Bitcoin millionaires or something like that or uh <laughs> any casual crypto bros finding right. anything in their couch cushions have want to start a good cause. Yeah, you, know, you have a couple Fs to just throw around at me and just uh <laughs> donate me a watch like that. Go ahead. Um <clears throat> so we had oh Zodiac. This is a cool one. Zodiac did the laser tag release with Warner Wound. Um there's two different watches. Uh, you can either be infrared or ultraviolet. And for those science nerds out there, you'll know those are the opposite ends of the uh, visible light spectrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the, well, the book ends, I should say, because they're not, they're not technically visible, but uh, they're the ends of the spectrum. Uh, and uh, so you have one that is, uh, well, sort of red themed and one that is sort of violet themed. <laughs> but uh, no, but they're neat. I mean, they, they're very sort of pastel y. They're a little bit like that. Um, trapper keeper looking when we talked about a couple times um yes color yes, wise yes, yes. but the loom on these is insane as i hoped it would be when you say it's going to be laser tag like it better be and i think these delivered <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it's, it's cool i mean I, I don't know if you guys saw the the chamfers of the case but they loomed like sides of the case and the lugs and everything oh that's kind of cool so like when you when you charge it up at night, you can see like the lugs and the side profile of the case and it has loom all the way down. So it it does carry the the laser tag motif pretty coherently through the watch design, which is I think is sick. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, we I mean, I think we we sort of uh enjoy Zodiac on the show. They're kind of just like a they're kind of just out there doing their own thing in like in a time where people are sort of just uh 
trying to go along with the trends like we saw like the sort of like the rainbow trend come through where everybody dropped every single watch they have and the entire skittles bag flavors mm-hmm. worth the watches mm-hmm. right and like we've seen a lot of like that type of thing where okay this is the new thing this is the new thing this is the new thing they've kind of just always played uh to the beat of their own drum a little bit which i appreciate um i think we kind of like that on the show so that's neat we were we were talking with zodiac mike and i and just kind of talking about the collection talking about the whole the what you're talking about right now the experience of kind of what's happened with the seawolf line yeah and uh as a result of that we actually are going to be posting a review on the two broke watch site for the um the zodiac Seacron, which does oh, not nice. fit Chrono, into, like nice. any of these any of these like laser tag cotton candy dial watches it's like it's basically just like a it's, it's supposed to just be like a very robust reliable badass watch so to your point they're just doing their own thing that's how you do it man it's yeah exciting. you have to you have to you, you have know? to so cool yeah and and like you said they sort of put out watches for everyone which is nice like it's it's not like well we are this brand and this is what we're doing and if you don't like it we're not for you yeah. like they're they kind of just offer stuff around which is nice and you know, kind of like what I like about most of the brands that I enjoy, like, you know, Seiko, as I always talk about. But um, it's good. It's good to see that. And uh, it's nice to have options, you know. Okay. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, probably the last one I, w- I want to hit. I don't know if you guys saw these ones. Um, Nomos dropped three oh, yeah. of these uh, Club Sport Neomatiques in like. They did? Yeah. In earthy tones. There's like a. The way they describe it is tobacco, ember, and smoke. So they're it's brown, tan, and like gray dials. But they're they're neat though. They're sunburst. They're like very classy couldn't, looking. Very nomos, you know. Couldn't couldn't call it tobacco, but we call it tobacco. 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 <laughs> I love these neomatic sports or these 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 club sports because I think when they originally came out, there was like a smoky kind of green and a smoky kind of blue. Yeah think that or that or at least that was the latest or the iteration before this no yeah I know these exactly things are a ton of fun talking about no yeah, just, no they're, they're, got wild though oh sorry no i'm saying they're just they're neat they're sporty they're versatile like you know they, yeah. they're very stylish and they're kind of out, out on their own they don't really copy anybody they just do their own thing yeah that they are yeah that's just another brand that that does that and and you know it's going to be to their own drum which i'm here for it I'm here for. I still can't yeah. quite get over the like the sports watch nomos yet in my yeah, mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just seems so like juxtaposed or or diametrically opposed. You know, like, yeah, see, like what, yeah, exactly what made them what made them uh, unique. But um, I like the design. I think it's cool. I think it's very fall ready. You know, it's kind of like as we're wow. transitioning into colors and moving progressively ever forward into fall. Um, I think these will be a nice a nice kind of colorway for that. Well, yeah. And one day the, you know, Skittle rainbow fad will fade out and <laughs> you might want to wear a watch that is not, never, never not lime green. <laughs> That's funny. Watermelons for life. Watermelons for life. Cause I think, I don't know how many brands like Nomos realized really quickly. They could start charging more for what they're doing. Cause they were doing something totally different. Cause like even just yeah. like a few years ago, you know, Two thousand bucks, two thousand ish yeah. bucks. Yeah. Now it's like, like, like that is like bottom, like that's like, like, like the tangent, like one hundred and one. You can maybe get, I think, for like nineteen hundred or two thousand. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so it's just, I think these are anywhere from three to four thousand bucks. So it's just like, I still like them, but that's a tough price point to be appropriately competitive in. Yeah, I always, I always talk about bucks. that. I always talk about that when, when 
when price points rise or things like that or when when new releases come out and different sort of either you know slightly above where they're usually at i'm like listen you always got to remember what else is in that price point it can be a little bit um daunting yeah. now because you're you're putting people up to a, a bigger decision now right like mm. there are just certain it, it used to be when i used to think about things like this it used to be like okay like three grand five grand like seven grand and i would have like all right well now i, I have to put this up against this this and this and i'm like damn i don't know if i could i don't know if i would take one over the other and it, it, it just yeah. widens out your range of of choices and it, it really makes it hard but like you know, when you see watches like these that you were sort of like, yeah, I would definitely pick one up. It's like appropriately priced. It's nice. It's below the radar. Now, not so below the radar. And you're like, hey. <laughs> For me, I measure everything against. I've already decided what my, what my midlife crisis watch is going to be. But my midlife crisis watch only occurs in a different string theory universe of myself. So, like, my wife leaves me. I have nothing except, you know, a steady paycheck. And I live in my car. And nothing's inhibiting me from purchasing my midlife crisis watch. Like, I want to get, like, a Santos. So that's, like, this isn't, like, a different alternate. That's, that's my midlife crisis. I'm also from South Florida. So, like, there's the, that's just, like, that watch is kind of a little bit of everywhere. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm doing watch money math to alternate version Kaz midlife crisis purchase. I'm like, if I'm in 4000 for this Nomos that, like, I think is kind of cool, I'm only, like, 2000 away from my fictitious midlife crisis Right. Purchase. You know, yeah, that's the kind of out. things I lose sleep on. You know, I should hold out. Yeah, I'm telling you, start a derail. No, a derail you, know, you hold out. You get like you know, maybe a like a, a really small workman's comp type of thing. There you go, bang, two grand. Yeah, I just, I just, I just gotta find the right city bus to fall in front of, and really hope everything just comes up Millhouse. Just comes up cats. <laughs> everything's you know what I mean? coming up Millhouse. Everything's coming up Millhouse, guys. All right, <laughs> it's not a good day without a Simpsons quote. Damn two. right, amen. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Also, I, I'm 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 drinking, so I'm gonna do my best to not like slurp loudly in front of my microphone. So sorry, all. <laughs> no, by there, all means, you know. I mean, <laughs> I there don't is soundboard, so <laughs> there there is one more watch you did forget to mention, bro. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I don't know. We I talked about it before the show, and I didn't make a list. I usually have a list. Is it the Turbion? It's the Turbion, yeah. Wait, which one? We talked about two. So it's Emma. it's. Oh, the, so there's actually two Turbions. Aha! Uh -huh, there we go. Oh my God! There's a second shooter. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. So um, there is the new IWC Marcus Bueller, big pilot. Bueller. Bueller. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it's, <laughs> I looked it up. That's how you pronounce it. So I, I it, wanted to. Sometimes make sure, people yeah. will be like Bueller. No, no. Like it's, Walker it's, Bueller is it spelled Bueller? I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> or my favorite is i'm sorry there's a there's a politician his name john boehner and his name literally looks like boner and i'm like dude we all like know boner. why yeah we all know why you pronounce it that way all right you're not fooling <laughs> anybody <laughs> so this is uh this is actually a relaunch watch um now in torbion which it was not before but basically if you're not familiar with who marcus um uh, bueller is he works for iwc uh, about 20 years ago he was an apprentice watchmaker with them graduated and part of his graduation watch project he created essentially a big pilot where the second hand for the big pilot was actually a, tur uh, a turbine um reminiscent of kind of like jet engine turbines mm -hmm. and so on the anniversary of this release um essentially they decided to create this new version of the big pilot in a limited production in torbion now uh to kind of commemorate that watch so we have a new marcus bueller 
Corbion, big pilot. It's neat, it's I guess. $125,000. Is it, is it, is it $125,000 neat? If I'm looking at the right one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I is it a, is it house down payment or college fund meet? Yeah, isn't that know. something, man? <laughs> somebody buys these things. That's so. That's what mm-hmm, always mm-hmm, is amazing. To me. Like somebody buys this shit, and I don't know who yeah. it is. Well, I mean, it is made in platinum. So, I mean, let's take the heaviest metal you possibly can, and then put it into <laughs> a fifty-two millimeter watch um, or forty-six now, millimeter watch. Yeah, I know where all the catalytic converters went. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> these watches ah oh, man that's too good yeah well, i thought can... we were i thought we were making fun of the yema one at first the yema turbion tobion turbion and i like how hard they how hard they lean into it making it like like dude it's like a jet engine we're at wbc we're like well, yeah we, we get it we get it we, we get it you like <laughs> you, you like planes or whatever that's cool bro nice <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, only, it's okay. You only yeah. supplied watches to the Luftwaffe, but you know people don't forget. Nobody's counting. <laughs> oh man, dude! I got. Can I tell you a? Can I tell you a funny story that yes, I actually yes. have, I have to anonymize? Okay, I was at a. Uh, I was at one of these watch get-togethers, and sometimes these watch get-togethers they'll have like brands sponsor it or something. Oh yeah, like that. Yep. And one and one of these brands was there, and it was it was a German brand, and they were they were asking us like their opinions on stuff because they were trying to figure out like. Because there's there there are some German brands that have like American sort of wings, but then they're just German brands who they're only from Germany, and when they come here, they just come here from Germany. Like they don't have like an American you know sort of leg or flagship uh, kind of team here. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the guys behind the booth; they were just like they were like, yeah, you know, we were trying to figure out like no one really seems to be excited about the fact that you know we also have like World War Two aviation history i'm like yeah that's a complicated thing to get people excited about guys you probably shouldn't lead with that foot oh. i understand <laughs> i understand what you're saying that's a tough conversation to have with people out of the blue so you you saying luftwaffe history just, just remind me of that story like maybe just leave the world war ii out and just go we have aviation history <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. just, just, yeah exactly. just say we like planes we, we like planes that's cool you know, we can all like planes together. Man, you watches yeah. are weird. People hey, can man. put two and two together on that one all day. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, lie though. The Messerschmitts were were very scary planes. They would howl. <laughs> when they, they would howl when they would dive bomb. So you know, you're get your giant thigh mounted big pilot while you're oh, bombing uh, bombing the Allies. So do you remember who was it? Laco? Was it Laco? Somebody released a new version of the thigh. Like as a joke, it was kind of a gag. Oh man, they had it. So I, I think bad. it was Laco. I think it was Laco actually. When when Windup was still at Chelsea Market, I saw it there, and I was like, I can't believe somebody actually did this. <laughs> Teams of people worked on this to make this here to make it happen. Well, I mean, it and it was like fifty five millimeters, if I remember correctly. Like it was not. Yeah, a, they're big. A, a, a small watch by any man, by any stretch. So you're wearing on your thigh. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, th- it's a thigh master. The thigh, <laughs> right? <laughs> if Yema has the wrist master, I think that Yema has a wrist master. Yeah. You know, Laco can have the thigh master. I think that's that, that's fine. That is fair. That is fair. So, so speaking of Yema, yeah, Yema also put out a turbion, and this one's only <laughs> oh, yeah. this one's only ten grand. Hey, we're going there down. Go. We're saving you one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. You know, we've seen uh, brands like them, Frederick Constant, like put out pretty impressive complications for a not such not so large yeah. amount of money recently 
I just wonder like who who's in the market for these? This is literally one of the brands I wanted to talk about. Okay, good. So I won't I won't go too far off the rails here, but I just wonder like again when I look at these, because I look at the the $125,000 Turbion, I say, who is this for? And then I look at the $10,000 Turbion, I'm like, also, who is this for? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. in the case of Yemma, Yemma's main draw that they're always trying to push. I have a, I have a, I have a very uh, like nuanced fascination with Yemma as a brand, as a less than well-known, iconic European brand. Yeah. So it used to be a mm-hmm. French brand, and then it got swallowed up by Seiko around the Quartz Crisis, and then Seiko just kind of put it up their butts and didn't do anything, and then private French ownership purchased the watch back. And now it is uh, own, uh, 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 you know, now it's actually a proper French brand. Unlike a lot of other European brands, they have to fill in these kinds of gaps. They can't say, oh, German urology, long and sone, 300 or 200 years, whatever it is. They can't say, oh, Swiss urology, 1700s, blah, 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 blah. So I think in the case of Yemma, I think their biggest draw that they're trying to kind of get across to folks is we're European, but different. So you either have to have a fascination with the idea of this being mm-hmm. a French watch, a French watch with racing and aviation history. So I think that's, but I don't, I don't know who loves France enough to spend ten thousand dollars on like like a watch that you don't really right, that, know too much about. That to, to your that's point, so it's just, How, who's servicing this damn thing? Like, <laughs> oh, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> that would be a nightmare to get this thing serviced. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's going to have to probably go back to France, you know. But well, the, uh, the good news for for them is in the marketing department is that they were on the right side, so um, you know, they can get away with aviation history. <laughs> I can talk about their aviation history all they want. Well, I mean, you know, you know, for me though, the funniest thing with Yema that I absolutely love is the fact that they still produce the uh, Marina Militaire watch, like this snubbing mm-hmm. Tudor right in the face. And they just keep coming out with new versions all they the really time. They really do, though. I did notice that. I was like, I, I was, I was wondering. I was like, do they have the rights to this watch? Like, is this, is this? A I thing? really, like, I, I really want to get one. I want to get one, but I, uh, I keep, I keep not talking myself out of it. I keep letting fate divert me from yeah. that path. You know what I'm saying? You ever have watches like that? Yes, yes, all your the sites? time. All the time. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm dealing with with this crazy watch brand. We'll see. Let's see what fate has in store. Now, I, did, stuff, I picked up a little like uh, a, a funny, like, you know, a little knock around. Uh, it's their, one of their Panda. Um, uh, it's a chronograph, right? I can't remember if it's Flygraph or ra- Rallygraph. Flygraph or Yachtengraph. Or Rallygraph. I think it's a Rallygraph. But it's it's yeah. uh, it's a Mega Quartz. It's neat. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a well-made watch, I got to say. You know, for the, it really wasn't very expensive at all. Nice. Happy with it. You're happy with it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a neat oh, little right. watch. Because I've been looking at these urban travelers. Not that I'm, I live in suburbia, nor am I a traveler. But I'm very much, I'm I'm on trend, and I'm very much into this integrated uh, bracelet kick right now. Kind of digging these like wrist. I don't know if it's a. I don't know. I think it's part of the Wristmaster line, which is the worst thing you could possibly come <laughs> up with for a collection of watches. But yeah. But that, that's encouraging to hear that you were happy with your rally graph. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's good. No, it is. Um, I do think that this whole little uh, bit will lead into our topic kind of nicely now that we've gotten that on the table. And that is, uh, you know, in talking about your your experiences with um, the German watch brand and such. I will not name them. <laughs> no, no, no need. No need. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people can process elimination somewhere in there. But uh, 
But so we we were kind of joking around talking about the episode overall, and we thought it'd be funny to sort of talk in the realm of watch brands that just don't seem to understand. Uh, I don't want to say don't know their place, but sort of don't understand what their angle is, I guess, because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, you know, many people who listen to this are, are in the space. They're getting either ads through, um, you know, ads that they don't want shown to them or they're seeing the usual advertisements from the brands they like and such. And sometimes you just get these head scratchers, right? Sometimes you just get these, whether it be ambassadors, whether whether it be, you know, sort of uh, like a line of ads, you're just like WTF. Like, I, I think on your show, you guys went back to that. Uh, the, I think, was it IWC who had like the ridiculously uh, misogynistic ads? Oh my God, dude. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were they, they were old magazine print ads. And I remember one of them was like, IWC, the best looking watch on a flight attendant side table or like something like <laughs> super sleazy like that. But like yes. there's this there's this whole like like there's a whole catalog of these fantastically aviation sexist themed ads. So like yeah, but like they don't they really don't want you to talk about that. No, of course which means, not. We, which means which means <laughs> I, I'm gonna I get just... this shit on like on like a billboard in my house when I tell everyone. Yeah, which means I, I should hold ransom for charity donations. <laughs> what, what, yes, what exactly. Exactly. Yes. These are the this ads is- that these are the ads that Ad Patino will never put out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so so here here's an example of one. So it's IWC. It's the um, it's the Da Vinci, the first Da Vinci, and it says almost as complicated as a woman, except it's on time. Yes, it's oh. the, those are those are the ads. They're really they're, bad. They're so cringe. It's so cringe. They're really, really bad. IWC official supplier to men. <laughs> it's just cool dudes hanging out with dudes talking about chicks or whatever. Dude, just like, what is this brand trying to? What is this? What is happening right now with this watch brand, dude? It was bad. Those IWC ads were bad. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, yeah. and that's man. yeah. That's, have, fun, that's, have fun googling. There's more than two. Yes, oh, like there, there's there's a whole there is a whole slew of them, and some of them I will not repeat on air. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, bad. so we were sort of you know we were kicking it around between things like that, between like I said, brand ambassadors, um, you know, just the the weird, um, I guess places that some of these brands try to market themselves into. Like sometimes you just see where like you're like, what is your either demographic what is your you know target audience where, where do you want to position yourself who are you put who is who are you placing your competition as even like yeah. sometimes you see you're like who are you shooting for the moon here or are you just trying to kind of weasel in under like a certain price bracket anyways uh regardless i think all of us probably have a few of these so um without further ado um kaz you're our guest you can go first i think especially because you had one kind of queued up already Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I mentioned Frederick Constant. I'll say Frederick Constant. I love this brand. If you have, if you have no idea what brand I'm talking about, you probably it's 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 Frederike Constant. If you've seen it written, in case yeah. you didn't Fred Constant, it. he's a he's it's a great Fred, guy. Old, old Freddie C from the block really puts out a good watch, guys. All right, yeah, Fred 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 Frederico Frederick Constant. Sorry, I've had a lot of coffee this morning. It's 9 p.m. at night. Sorry, we're recording pretty late at night. I, I'm, I'm drinking coffee before I got in the air with everyone. But Frederick Constant puts themselves in a really interesting spot. I think, orologically and design-wise, they put out very interesting pieces. But they put mm-hmm, them out in mm-hmm. such a way that's really weird. They, I don't know how much they cling to the moniker now, but I still saw a little bit on their site. It's this idea of accessible luxury. 
yeah the concept of affordable or accessible luxury this idea only works if you're not charging four or five thousand dollars for a watch because the problem yeah. is the concept of accessible luxury is only appropriate to in my opinion my wrong opinion the non-enthusiast and by the non-enthusiast i mean someone that's gonna go on job interviews and what's a a nice watch or something mm -hmm. like that like that is not your that's not your enthusiast who's just like just like yeah i'm gonna go job hopping i'll i'll i'll, I'll spend five thousand dollars on a watch to look good in a in a job interview mm -hmm. i'm sure i'm sure saying that now you guys are gonna get letters like uh kaz was wrong that's exactly what i did i bought my speedmaster for a job interview or something like that but like I think the idea is flawed in that it never really resonates because you're never going to get people who will, who are in that sort of luxury segment who maybe have no problem spending 20, 30, 40, $125,000 on a tourbillon. You're not going to get them no. buying a Frederick Constant because it's just like, wait, ugh, I don't want accessible luxury. Like, what will my friends think or something like that? Yeah. So I it's mean, just. That's interesting that you put it like that because I think I think for me and we've talked a lot about Frederick Constant on the show before, and I think the thing that Bro and I've kind of taken away from the brand in terms of a different perspective is I've I don't I've never looked at it as like the affordable luxury aspect of it. I've looked at it as like, hey, look, we're a small brand, but look what we can do 100%. given what with given what we have like we can do a big date moon phase in-house caliber for five thousand dollars we can do a tourbillon for twenty thousand dollars in solid gold you know for me that to me is the idea that it's a brand really trying to push and stretch as much available resources as they can to create something that's truly special and unique and frankly for lack of a better word innovative you know they yeah, have hell yeah um I remember when they came out with their like oscillating like silicone escapement system that it's bananas in terms of technology. <laughs> like it, it doesn't even make sense how it works, but it uses basically like no mechanical components. It's all like vibrating silicone that is the entire escapement. Um, so cool. It's it's insane that a brand like this can do that. Yeah, and it's also insane to me that like I never see them anywhere. No, yeah, you're right. Like that's to me, I think the 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 biggest conundrum of this brand is where are they? <laughs> like I go Luxury. to retailers, I go to retailers all the time, and I never see them anywhere. Yeah. But I know that somebody's buying them because they exist. Yeah, they're afloat. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. selling watches. So who who's buying them, and where are they? I don't know. Maybe they're not so hot here in the states. Most of my watch purchasing experience is in the United States, so I don't know True. maybe in Europe if it's different for them. Um, yeah, but you're totally right. Like, it's the idea of look what we can do, and we're not, you know, Vacheron Constantine. We're not this huge brand. Um, and I say that because they just released some more of these kind of like Frederick Constant High Life collection pieces, which have like mm -hmm. very overseas kind of like VC overseas vibe to them. Yeah, they're they're, they're super interesting. <laughs> So I don't know, Frederick Constant, they um they got on my radar and fans of the TBWS show will remember I I wouldn't shut up about these watches when they came out. They put out a flyback chronograph, I think a few years ago. That thing was fantastically handsome. And I think you can get them for like under 2K now, honestly. Wow. Which is crazy. You mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. I would jump on that all day. 
I bought a Manta for some reason. No, not for some reason. I love this watch. <laughs> but like for the same price of the Manta, I could have gotten that Frederick Constant right. flyback chronograph. Yeah. So yeah. That 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 brand doesn't get it. Like they just there's something they just don't get. I love but, the idea of them. Oh, sorry. I, no, no, I was I, I was gonna say I, I think the whole I think the the flawed issue with the affordable luxury thing is sort of like the all you can eat twenty dollar crab leg buffet. Like you know, like something doesn't seem right about it. I can't I don't know if I can be seen going into this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Am I curious? Yes, I'm curious. <laughs> but I don't know if I can dive into this. Mm-hmm, oh my god, that's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. good. I'm gonna have to lie to my family about where I'm going. I'm gonna go for coffee and just be gone for like four hours because I just can't tell them <laughs> I'm going to all unique eat crab legs. Yeah, I I like the idea of them repositioning it as look what we can do with less resources, but those types of marketing initiatives and those brands only work if there's a face you can associate. Because yeah, you yeah, want to root yeah. you want to root for the scrappy guy. I had I don't have a face to associate with I mean, unless we make one up, unless we make up like Frederico C or Freddy C from the block. Mr. Orient. (laughs) Mr. Orient. Oh, my God. You're going to give me agita. I don't even want to talk. I wasted so much airtime on the early episodes ragging on Mr. Rapey Vibes Orient. So many episodes. Creepy smile. This creepy watch like show up in people's bathtubs and shit. Just like, dude, ugh. like it's not selling watches. But but Frederick Constant, I love it. They need to show people how scrappy they are. They have to put some kind of face, not like a mascot, but like I don't know. But they could be so much better. I think it breaks my heart. Yeah, I'm glad I, we're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think the brand is amazing for what they do. I mean, they have a thirty thousand dollar Torbion in gold with an in-house movement. So it's not like, it's not like they just like took this movement and modified it from like a Chinese movement, you know? And so like, this is a legit in-house tourbillon at 30 K. Am I rushing out to spend 30 K on a Frederick Constant? Probably not. But the fact that they could even do it is, is amazing in and of itself, Yeah, you know? And, you know, I give them a little bit more credit than something like maybe like the Yama, which, Yama is still relatively new. It's one of these like re, you know resurrected zombie brands that's come back, um, and I like what they're doing. And obviously, they're trying to showcase their chops because they're coming out with a tourbillon. Um, but you know, Frederick Constant has been around a little bit longer. I think it's much more established. I think people know it. I just would love to see it in places where I could get hands on with it and and touch it and feel it and and I and and I can tell you, I travel all over the country and I. Go watch shopping. I, I never see them. I Weird. ever, I never see them. Maybe it's just because of the jewelry stores that I'm in, or you where know, I go. But I just, I have a dumb question: Are they Swatch? Are they Richemont? Are they owned by someone? I think that they're owned by Citizen Group. Oh, you're mm. right. That might be the issue. All these other Swiss brands are owned by Richemont and Swatch, and they have all these really robust sort of like distribution deals. Yeah, it was. Uh, Citizen, they, they're owned by Citizen as of 2016. Yeah, Citizen probably just doesn't know what to do with it, which is not surprising. Which again, it's 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 kind of like this is their this is Citizen's Swiss line, you know, because these are these are uh, um, Genevan watches. So these come mm-hmm. from Geneva. So 
it's probably one of these aspects where citizen is like, we're holding on to intellectual property. We're holding on to the name. It's a name that people know and recognize in most circles that are maybe watch related, but we're too Japanese that we don't understand how the Swiss operate. Maybe is kind of one of those things. Maybe. Um, that could be a citizen. Citizen owns Frederick Constant and Le Jeu Perret, which is a oh, I didn't know manu- a, a, a movement a movement manufacturer, like another okay. European or Swiss movement move manufacturer. And like you're totally right, they don't necessarily know what to do with their European properties. So, and I wild. think they, I think they're part of. Is it Alpina too? I think is they own Alpina. Yep, they also own yeah. Alpina. Yep, yeah. yep. Which I feel like I've seen more of. I feel like I've seen Alpina in brick and mortars, but I don't think one hundred percent. I have, yeah, I know that for a yeah. fact. That's so funny. Now I'm going to be looking everywhere. I'm in the Bradenton, Sarasota area here in the Gulf Coast of Florida. It's not that great watch shopping here, but if I ever do go somewhere with watches, now I'm going to be looking for Frederic Constance. Literally, the last time I saw Frederic Constance was in a Torno. That's how old it was. Wow. Uh, this was a Torno, like in 2015, 2016. They had a small little case. And, it's and, like in the back behind the mops. No, it, it, yeah, it, I mean, basically, <laughs> it pops basically. up another brand's box. <laughs> it was like it was like this small little Frederic Constant case with like one of those like Italian like wooden Riviera boats, like kind of like <laughs> tucked tucked into like the case display, and <laughs> that was that was it. It was kind of like you know, come on, citizen, do the brand justice. You know, man. That's funny. What else? What else do folks got? All right, Schmithers, you teased one, and I had it on mine, but I'm going to let you have it because I know you're going to have a good rant on it. So why don't you have it, our, our good friends? I mean, Tag is kind of the perpetual. They're stuck in this spot. Let's just face it. I think they, this is the they first are... one that came to your and my mind when we yeah, had this topic yeah, come up. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is kind of the big one for me because what kills me about Tag so much is it is a brand with such dynamic history. You know, they've made micro girders and micro graphs and like all of these crazy, the the Monaco V4, like they have made some impressive orological machines over the years. And the fact that when you go shop them in a retailer today, you don't understand as a brand where they sit, mm. you know, are they an entry luxury brand? Are they lower tier luxury? Are they hierology? Are they, you know, collector uh, focused? Like, what is the focus? And I remember I was talking to somebody at a retailer. I was, you know, on a business trip and I happened to, to go into the mall with some colleagues and we went, you know, shopping in this local jewelry store. And the sales guy was telling me literally the same thing. He's like, I literally don't know where this brand fits. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And he's like, well, I mean, if you think about it, like I have, you know, quartz, um, you know, aqua racers next to titanium Monaco's. Right. And he's oh. like, you know, we're talking a couple thousand dollar watches here versus, you know, $10,000 for something like a Monaco. Right. Um, and to me, that's when it kind of made sense to me for what I think tag should do. And if I was part of LVMH um, and in charge of tag, this is what I would do, 29-year-old CEO, so you can take my word for it. <laughs> you, can, you can use my idea, but I think this would be the best way to repackage or reintroduce tag to the world. 
I would take the names Tag and Hoyer and split them into two entities. Okay. Everything that's Formula One, courts-based, um, your courts aqua racers, whatever it might be, you sell that as Tag. Okay? And everything that's your Monaco's, your Carreras, all the pieces that collectors want, you rebrand it under the Hoyer label. And essentially do an a la Rolex type situation where you okay. have Rolex is the is the is the higher end brand, Tudor is the lower end three point brand, and you create this idea. Because let's be honest, the people that buy tags know it as tag, and they're buying it because it's a relatively expensive yet inexpensive luxury watch, and they don't really care what it says on the dial. They know mm-hmm. it as tag, but all of the collectors who give a crap know it as Hoyer. So they're collecting Monzas and Monaco's and um, Skippers and all of these yep. exclusive pieces, yep. but they never said tag on them. They said Hoyer. Hoyer. So I think if it was me, if I was in charge of this particular company, I would create two entities and basically have tag be the lower end aspect of it and Hoyer be the higher end. And I think that's a great way to incentivize clients that are collectors, established collectors to buy into your products because that I think is the disconnect is as a collector, I don't want to buy a watch that says tag on it. <laughs> and I, I mean, uh, j- just being honest, yeah, I want to buy a watch that says Hoyer because Hoyer has heritage, right? Tag was just some weird eighties investment group that bought out Hoyer because Hoyer was basically becoming insolvent during the 1980s post courts crisis. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were kind of into Formula One. And this was a way to inject themselves into that. And given Hoyer's racing legacy, it kind of was a match made in hell, if you will. <laughs> right. So for me, the people that know it as tag know it as tag. They don't care what it is, the movements, the technology. They don't care if it's gold plated links or it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. To them, it just is a luxury Swiss brand that people recognize. But I think if you're the collector mindset, then Hoyer is much more appealing. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? There's a precedent for this. Remember Seiko Grand Seiko? Grand yeah. Seikos used to say Grand Seiko and then Seiko on them. And now those two entities are uh, totally bifurcated from each other. There's Grand Seiko and there's Seiko. And we have a contact at Grand Seiko. And I was chatting with him and I was like, oh, hey, can you pass this to this uh, to, to, to Seiko? And they're like, oh, we don't really talk to Seiko anymore. <laughs> like that's how that's how separate those two brands are so yeah what you're yeah. talking about there 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 is and you could argue grand seiko has been pretty successful because now you're you're starting well it's not so much the name change it's almost it's also how much money they pay to be on hodiki but you can say grand seiko is pretty successful now in this endeavor mm-hmm. to separate themselves from mall seikos because it's grand seiko so the yeah. idea of being tag for your you know i'm gonna go and get some dipping dots and buy a watch in the mall like that's tag those are the tag folks yep. and then not dipping dots whatever whatever people do in malls now and then hoyer is more like the collector piece the upmarket sort of absolutely so like, absolutely it, it makes sense that you know you work for seiko grand seiko i mean I, I just think that you know both brands have their place yeah but if if tag hoyer really wants to be taken seriously then they need to they need to pick a lane. They need to have a focus. And I think rebranding all of their higher end pieces under just Hoyer and reserving everything for tag that's kind of leftovers. And let's call it, you know, the zero to let's say thirty-five, four thousand dollar range. That's the max of tag. And mm-hmm. then once you start hitting in the five to whatever range, unlimited range, 
everything's Hoyer, right? Because I mean, th- let's think of it this way. I mean, the glass box, arguably in a beautiful watch, like very cool. I tried it on in person. It looks amazing. Nice. The new titanium skeletonized Monaco is awesome. You know, like these are cool watches, but they say tag on it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that so to funny. me, that it, to me is the giant asterisk in the middle of the forehead. You know, it's just kind of like the 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 one cliffhanger. And I think for most collectors, they probably maybe are not vocal about it, but I'm pretty sure yeah. when you pick it up, you're like, eh, it's still a tag. <laughs> Businesses make decisions on pain points. So if the tag Hoyer folks had the sense that having tag and Hoyer on the watch together on your Monzas and uh, your kind of other legacy racing watches, if there was data to show that people weren't buying them because it said tag, I think they would, I, I have no idea. I would love to know that. Like I'm a, I'm a bit of a data nerd, but like that, that would be the incentive, you know, like if they had the sense that they were losing sales from enthusiasts like us, I don't want to spend six, seven, eight thousand bucks to have tag on the dial of my watch. So I did. I do hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I've said, I've said it before. Tag is the nickelback of watches. <laughs> Nobody knows why they hate them, but everyone collectively hates them. And <laughs> I mean, it, like we'll all secretly want to listen to the music and wear the watch, you know, but it's like when somebody's asked like, oh yeah, tag, you know, I, I would never wear a tag. <laughs> it's kind of that. Car, it, <laughs> you play silver side up. Cause those first two albums were not that bad. Look at this crone. <laughs> oh, Jack, I'm so sorry. But no, Prison it, it, gates it, won't open up for me. Roll the windows up, turn it down, and get a stoplight. Like, oh, shit. No one can know I'm wearing play a cool, tag play and cool. listening to Nickelback. Play cool. Yeah, play cool, play cool. <laughs> yeah that's the double whammy. Play, listening to Nickelback while wearing your tag. While wearing your tag. Oh, oh my no. God. No, that's a good one. That is like an appropriate call out. I, they, um, well, no, because they've done they've they have you're right. They've released models that do say Hoyer, like some of these yep. like. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they have. And this is just me talking out loud. I wonder if they have research that shows how different dial logo segments perform versus other versions. That would be super cool to see. I mean, you know? this is this is an analytical person coming to these things. I'm just like I just heard it from a salesperson, like bro, like I I'm having a hard time selling this. $1,500 Formula One next to this $15,000 Titanium Monaco. <laughs> I, and, and I mean, just from just from a, you know. The salesperson was saying the, that. That's the, wild. The, exactly. This is a salesperson who's like, bro, I'm just collecting a check. Like, I'm just, I put on a suit <laughs> and I'm just trying to sell, sell watches. And this is what I know is an issue. And this is a guy who's at the very, you know, ground level, if you will, of the industry, the front lines. And he sees combat, if you will. Yeah. And, He's like, I'm like a 20 year old kid. You know, this is kind of like what I do in between semesters of college, and I can see this. So, <laughs> what does that tell you from a global perspective? But this is what happens when your CEO is only nine years older than this guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. That's a good call out. I like that. Yeah. And I still, I still wonder sort of what we were talking about before. Like, I don't know who they are marketing this brand to anymore. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of their ambassadors now are young, you know, nice-looking people. Ryan Gosling, uh, Alexandra Daddario, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right, but like young people don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's older people who have money who want to be young. Well, that's what I was thinking was maybe midlife crisis watches. 
Yeah. Right? But, but then they also have so many have... better midlife crisis watches no, no, than yeah. that. Cartier like... Santos. I'm going to throw it out there again. <laughs> All right. He's like full they, gold. They also have, <laughs> yes. like, they also play up like their regatta legacy. So, like, are you you're you're a yachty brand oh, or yeah, you're a racing brand or what are you like? <laughs> what are you guys? Yeah. We are the everything brand. We are the Nickelback of the everything watches. bagel. <laughs> you know, they've always been. Um, they've also always been the. Because uh, I was talking to someone who I work. I work with. Uh, uh, I don't work with, work with watch people. If they're watch people, I don't want to talk to them. But I work with someone who I was on a call with them, and I recognize a watch they're wearing. They're they were wearing they're wearing a tag, and they've told me a story about buying a tag that is the most whole tag story I've heard. Uh, I hit a milestone. I got a promotion. I wanted to celebrate. I went. I went to tag because there was a tag boutique or a tag ad boutique in my mall. I think it just becomes that sort of generic celebration watch. It's a default. Yeah. It's the default like it's nice default. watch to celebrate something milestone. Great. It's a, it's a it's a stereotypical graduation watch. It could be a promotion watch, something like that. If you didn't want to get a Rolex, or if you walked into it, well, it's a it's not. I don't even think it's so much as that. Is it's like people, even if they're in the industry or outside the industry, they've heard of Tag. It, it, yeah. It's been marketed everywhere. It, it, to me, it's almost as impressive as Rolex's marketing campaigns is because you ask a random person on the street and like, do you know what tag watches are? They're probably going to say yes, because yeah. they've heard of them and they've seen them in the mall. Now, is that person necessarily the watch enthusiast consumer? No, it's just an average Joe Schmo person. And even people that I've met in my own personal life who know nothing about watches are like, yeah, man, you know, I got a little bit of money. It's like, I was going to the mall and like, I know you're kind of the watch guy. Like, should I buy this tag? You know, like, and I'm like, Oh, save your money. Buy something else. <laughs> $500 more. We'll get you a tutor. You know, <laughs> like, you know, that's a good, that's a good frame of reference. Actually, for 500 bucks more, you can get a tutor, man. I, I mean, depending I, on what you're looking at. Yeah. I, I had a buddy of mine for a long time was like, He's a cop in, in the city that I live. And, you know, a buddy of mine reached out to me. He was like, hey, look, my buddy's kind of needing you to be his watch Sherpa. Take him on this journey. <laughs> and what should he get? He's looking at this watch. And he sends me this picture of this, like, quartz, two-tone, gold plate, aqua racer, yeah, dog. blue dial. And I'm like, okay, first off, like, what are you looking for? He's like, well, I want to watch in two-tone because my college rings in gold. I said, cool, fine. What's your what's your spend limit? He's like, well, this one's you know fifteen hundred dollars. I said, that's not what I'm asking. What is your spend? What do you want to feel comfortable spending? And he's like, I don't know, six grand. I was like, why don't you buy a Tudor S and G? Like, like let's <laughs> let's get something actually worthwhile. You know what I mean? And since then, since then, you know, I don't talk to him much, but um, he'll send me photos of him traveling, doing stuff at work, and he's got his Tudor on. He's like, I love this watch. And oh, so we, so so he so he got the Tudor. He got the Tudor. Nice. And he's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever purchased. And I was like, yeah, just $500 more, $600 more. Make yeah. the jump. Don't be scared of spending this much money. He's like, yeah, I never take off. it off. He's like, you're, yeah. like, he's like, I'll never take it off. I said, you shouldn't. Your watch should never come <laughs> off. Like, don't don't settle for this. That's but to so me, cool. To me, that's why I think there needs to be a split within, within the line because your average no-brain consumer – that knows nothing will will default to tag, and your collector, your more savvy, seasoned person is gonna is gonna default to to Hoyer. Plus, it gives the brand something to aspire to. 
Like, why would I aspire mm. to owning a ten thousand dollar Titanium Monaco when it says Tag Heuer on both dials versus you know a fifteen hundred dollar Aqua Racer? Yeah, there's nothing aspirational here. So it also it would also allow the Tag brand to be a little more adventurous with offering quote unquote more affordable pieces, which would just allow that brand correct to grow and flourish more. So I mean, let's think of the original Formula Ones. Mm-hmm. That that attracted an entirely new age demographic mm-hmm. into watches because they were inexpensive, they were fun, they kind of borrowed the the swatch, you know, uh, business model. Let's do something that's a little bit more expensive, more fun, youthful, colorful. We'll frame it around racing and luxury and motorsport, and we'll create people that get interested in watches again this way. And how many people from our dad's dads? friends and colleagues and everything like they're like yeah man i got this formula one back in the 80s the best watch I ever bought you know like yeah they loved it because it represented something now it represents nothing hmm. it's leonardo dicaprio's default so it's <laughs> just just putting that out there i still have like i still remember very vividly all the Tom Brady posters pointing at me from like tag boutiques a few years back. Do you remember when yep. he was an ambassador? Yeah, he was just, a Monaco I, dude. Yeah. I, I can't remember. It was just like, it was him pointing angrily and like, I can't remember what the caption was. I want to say it's, it's, are you, are you enough? But that could just be my depression speaking. But I just remember like, I was just walking around seeing all these ads and like, tag does enough. a good job of, I'm not enough <laughs> that that could that could be that could be my crippling depression talking. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if Tom Brady said that to me, whispered that to my ears, but but Tang does a good job with ambassadors as well. That like that to, like like to your point that that's what kind of results in them being, you know, the default because like you know they'll get sports stars, they'll get actors and actresses, they'll make sure that for some reason Ryan Gosling is wearing five tag hoyers in like a few scenes yeah. in the latest movie. He's you know what I mean. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's funny, man. Bro, what about you? What do you got? Any brands? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think this is probably the one eight of that one. And it, it, it's more of a, a, a recent thing that I, I think we sort of gripe with them. And I, I, I'm going to lean on Breitling. I really, this is a brand I very much <laughs> yes, enjoy. Yes, like, yes. I really do like this brand and the, their historical pieces going back to, oh, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. I mean, I used to love like the old top times that used to, I used to look at them. They used to pop up on Hodinkee's used stuff like every day before watches like really blew up and they were like cheap. Like they really weren't expensive. I was like, damn, these are cool. And I was like, oh, I'll just wait and get one. You know, now they cost way too much money. But, um, oh, yeah. but you know, like I, I don't really know what to make of them. I think they're trying to do that sort of bit with the ambassadors. Like I know they have, they have uh, Giannis Atenacumpo. They have Erling Holland, which is weird because he's always photographed in expensive watches, like really expensive watches. Um, <laughs> I want to say I can't remember who it is. Maybe it's Chloe Kim or somebody, but they're they have these like youthful athletic ambassadors. And I guess that's cool because your watches are pretty sporty, but like your roots are like military, right? Mm-hmm, Naval, mm-hmm, Air mm-hmm. Force, like space. Uh, yeah. Like that's where I think people fell in love with Brightling Brightling. And like, yeah, some of their stuff was very utilitarian looking but like that was also kind of part of their charm right like their steel fishes and stuff like that like they were yeah, they were yeah. rugged and like not to say that you can't have some of these more you know whimsical or gen- you know gently crafted watches but like putting navitimer on some of these newer ones that mm. don't really resemble a navitimer when you say the word navitimer it doesn't really pop in your head that this is what i'm thinking you know that has diamonds on the dial and <laughs> well and 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 here and here's the thing too 
they're lab created diamonds now. I don't know if you guys knew that. I mean, that's just a good economic decision, man. I mean, you, you don't even be di- buying blood diamonds that cost way too much money. You can just grow them now. I mean, right? you can, but I mean, most consumers don't realize that. No. Well, let me and give you a pro tip for those uh, not so balling uh, soon to be husbands out there. I mean, that's the way to go. Don't te- don't don't tell you bought one, but lab grown diamonds are way too. <laughs> T- take that shit to the grave. Well, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's just, but it's just one of those things too. It's like, I think it, for me, Breitling is very cringe in a lot of ways because I feel like it's trying to be extra youthful and attractive and cool, but it comes across as like your dad trying to do it. Yeah. It's like, like these, that, it's these like car that, chronograph ones that they released. Yeah. It, it's, it's like that, that Steve Buscemi meme. It's like, how are you doing fellow hey, young fellow kids? kids? Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like that, that's, that's literally what I think about when I, when I see it, because I mean, like all of their, their, their ambassadors, right. They're part of squads, you know, like the cinema oh. squad, like the founder squad, like just, just call it the founder circle or like, you know, our ambassadors in cinema or like you're trying to be too hip to the point where it comes across as clumsy, clunky and, and cringe. And, you know, like the basketball squad or sports squad, like this is weird. Like nobody talks like this. I, uh, I just went to their website and I was greeted by a very terrifying, <laughs> like, like sexy, terrifying photo of um, Charlize Theron. I forgot she was, she's, she's a brand ambassador. On Breitling as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, She's part of the Cinema Squad. Cinema Squad. Few brands have had such a King Lear tragedy up, down, up, down fall as like Breitling. Adam Driver. You know, like <laughs> Adam Driver, yeah. Adam Driver uh, is in the mix as well. So like Breitling, <laughs> Tool Watch, and then Quartz Crisis stuff, and then Fly Girls. Remember the Fly Girls era when they were trying to be like, they were trying to do like the cool, oh, this is the pilot's watch. Yeah. Right? I'm pretty sure that's yeah. like a Casio. But like, and then they and then they they sold, and now they're this thing. I think they're just trying to make them sexy, trendy. But they're trying to do it in a way that only Breitling can. But it doesn't match up to your point because these yeah. are these are tool watches. Like these yeah. are at their at their very few brands can work apart from their DNA. The DNA mm-hmm. of these watches is is that of a of a tool. Yeah, so try absolutely. to make a cool like like you know, hammers can't be sexy unless that's your thing, and that's none of my business. So like, it's tough. <laughs> it's none of my business. I'm not two here. Girl, two girls, one hammer. Shame. Is it a jackhammer? <laughs> well, now now we're cooking with gas or you know reusable energy. But yeah, so I think that's the problem. I think the DNA of the watch is a tool. You can't make this sexy cool the only way it works is if you market to non-enthusiasts if i didn't know anything about breitling and i saw adam driver wearing i don't know what model they have on that on that beautiful man's wrist but like if i saw him wearing whatever the hell he's wearing i'd be like oh yeah that's cool kylo red's wearing it yeah i'll probably get Mm -hmm. that watch too or whatever i don't know anything about breitling you know it's almost the tag model maybe that's what they're trying to go for i i think but i think what changed is when they sold and somebody oh, brought yeah. this up to me recently and it kind of stuck with me and I, it, it makes a complete amount of sense. It makes total sense. And basically what he said was like, look, you know, Breitling was an independent company for, for basically forever. And it was owned by the Schneiders at one point. And basically when it was family owned and operated, 
profits and profitability and maximum margins and all this stuff or maximizing margins wasn't really necessary because the family is like, look, you know, we made 18, you know, million dollars or whatever it is in this retailer, or, you know, we did $18 billion this year, whatever it might be, right? Now they're owned by an investment group. Oh, yeah. So now all of these shareholders are trying to maximize as much profitability yeah, as say, uh, it, that's it, a really it, good call out. Actually, I mean, it, it, but it's true. If you think about it, I mean, and this happened within the last couple of years, right? We went yeah. from the cool Breitling, you know, leather watch roll wood boxes to like this new fold flat cardboard recyclable garbage that looks like <laughs> shit. And especially if you're buying a solid gold chronomat or Navitimer <laughs> and it comes in like a $5 box, like <laughs> cardboard box. <laughs> have you, have you not seen the new Breitling boxes? I have not seen the new Breitling boxes. I do not frequent my Breitling AD too much these days. Google Breitling's <laughs> recyclable box. Right, it's literally, not, uh, it's literally my favorite. It's literally a fold flat sustainable box Let's that see. snaps together and it's hideous. Like it does not look like a luxury watch should come in it. And it's it's crazy, but that started, and then the lab-grown diamonds started, and you know, no, we're we're doing recyclable material, and that that's fine. Sustainability is your thing, I get it, but is it really for the sake of being sustainable, or is it for the sake of now being able to increase profitability? And I think it's more so the latter than it is the yeah. sustainability aspect of it, because now S I can. I can ship 2,000 of these boxes in the amount of boxes it would have taken me to ship 200 boxes, you know? What is this box? It's I, I think it's made out of uh, Econo or some type of recycled material that, you know, Kelly Slater's company sells. It's made out of recycled, like, leather couches or something like that. This is this this is great. This yellow one looks like a, a base, like a baseball base. <laughs> Yellow Breitling box. Oh wow! I did not know about this. It mm -hmm. it could it, it's, well, it it's could, pretty bad. It, it confounds the issue even more because to your point, this is not so traditionally. Sorry, I'm like yelling into my microphone. Traditionally, the experience of buying a luxury watch is that it's not just the watch; it's the experience of like, the packaging. You can do this. What you can do with the packaging. So this is a little antithetical to the concept of a luxury watch. Mm -hmm. It's bold in an interesting way i don't think it makes sense because to your point i don't want to pay brightling prices and get like like a like a five dollar box that's that's weird and <laughs> and for me for me this would be fine if it's like this is like your service your service box right like you get the watch uh, back from servicing this is what it comes in because yes. at the end of the day who cares it's just like a travel pouch but the idea for brightling was like look you know we can fold these flatter we can ship more of them to to our end consumers we can save less money on shipping and and cut down our carbon footprint all that to me translates is like we're just saving a lot of money we're charging you more if not the same amount if not more for our watches and at the end of the day you get less product you get less yeah. quality and again you know i've talked to many salespeople and they've told me like everyone collectively hates the brightling boxes because <laughs> again you sell a solid gold watch and you bring it out in this it's yeah. like what the what the hell is that like what what are you this is what my watch comes in weird like, i did not know about it, 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 it's it's crazy and 
probably probably most people that listen to our podcast don't know about this, but it's something that I know from my friends within the industry still that you know are still in it or owners or buyers are like this is a freaking problem. Our consumers hate this crap because <laughs> yeah. it's sustainability for sustainability's sake. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're spending ten thousand dollars on a watch and this is what it comes in, it's 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 horrible. also if someone truly cared about sustainability in the environment, just buy a used Casio. Don't Ex- buy a exactly. brand new exactly. <laughs> Five ten thousand dollar watch or whatever. Look, just go to your go to a pawn shop and buy a Casio. It, it's it's called it's called luxury for a reason. Okay, yeah. I want my watch to be made or my watch box to be made out of unicorn tears from the rainbow <laughs> wood forest of Neverland. I want the last <laughs> dodo to have gone making right. my box. All right, the ginkgo, <laughs> the ginkgo tree. <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. That's a good yeah. call out. Brightling, I wanna, I, I, I got, I got on board hardcore after the Brightling ownership changed because you got the sense that they started to try to lean into their legacy, but mm-hmm. mute a lot of the noise around it. I haven't looked at Brightling in a long time, and it looks like we've gotten, we've really lost the plot with a lot of these things that are happening now with the brand. <laughs> and then, as as Bro was mentioning earlier, with the top times, right? Yeah, these new top times. They came out with basically a version or a derivative of the 01 caliber. Breitling released these top times like two years ago in non-in-house movements. So they literally relaunched the collection again. Same color, same everything. It's just now we went from non-in-house top times to in-house top times. So it went from like $4,500 or $5,000 to like almost nine grand. And consumers can't even tell the difference. No. So it's like if I ask a watch guy today, and Kaz, maybe you can weigh in on this. When was the last Breitling watch you saw released? What is it? I can't remember. I'm 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 I just discovered now just from our conversation that Navitimers are coming out as like flashy jewelry pieces. I'm looking that at was what I was referring to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at because yeah, because when you referred to that, I had to Google. I'm looking at like a two-tone Navitimer, like I don't They've been, they have, I guess, been very quiet in terms of releases. I don't know. I, I just haven't heard much about them. I'm just wondering about these cardboard boxes. I mean, so so just to give you an idea of what they released this year, the top times we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, they released a boutique-only Navitimer with a white dial and blue accents, I believe in 41 millimeters. Oh. Um, they released these 32 and 36 millimeter bedazzled lady Navitimers, if you will, but they're not chronos. They're just, you know, time-only watches. Oh, that's um, so weird. I'm looking at one now. Ugh. It's 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 crazy. And uh, what else did they release recently? Don't uh, call it a Navitimer. Just call it something else. And that was bro's point. Yeah. You know, like call it a Steelfish or call it, you know, one of these other pieces within the yeah. collection. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we like that slow chrono. That's cool, but. But 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 we said this before. Give us the slow chrono. Yeah. I Don't know. give me a like a neutered super ocean that's inspired by the slow chrono, but it's not actually a slow chrono because it looks weird, you know. And and weird. I talked to I talked to a retailer and he's like, yeah, he's like this these watches they were very hot when they first came out. He's like they've fallen off a sheer cliff. Wow. And and from what I hear from a lot of people in my connection community. They've told me that Breitling is really struggling. Like it is really? hard. It is hard to move the product. 
Well, they're expensive. Like these are not cheap. No. Yeah, the average price point for ninety one hundred ninety five. Yeah, the average price point for an avatar was like ten grand. So let, that was exactly what I was saying when I was talking about sort of price tiers and how you sort of open yourself up to that. When you once you start to move up, you just you run into this wall of well, there's a lot more competition, more big names, more big players that can kind of box me out at this price point. So. And and again, that was kind of my point too with like the lab grown diamonds, right? Like you 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 Google a price point for a brightling, let's say with diamond bezel. We're talking ten thousand dollars. There's omegas that you can buy today with natural diamonds that are ten thousand dollars, but one is considerably more valuable than the other. Now, again, mm -hmm. it might be a completely trivial thing and you might not care because you're not harvesting the diamonds from your watch to sell them. But people, when they're buying these things, they think that they're buying the genuine article. And technically, it is a genuine diamond. It's just one was found and created over thousands of years, if not millions of years. And the other one was pressure forged in a lab. Right? The, Which, does the Breitling site say they're lab-grown diamonds? Um, or, they've, or, they've, or they've, they've, done, found out? they've done a lot of clever marketing to kind of subvert that idea. Because yeah. they're focusing on the fact that it's sustainable, sustainable. They're not blood diamonds, right? But but every single major watch retailer in the world, for the most part, that's a notable brand sources the authenticity and and traceability of where their diamonds come from. There's there's an adherence international regulatory body called the Kimberley process that specifies and has to have detailed recordings of where diamonds are mined and how they're mined. In order to be sold throughout this this process for jewelry and watches, there's not a single jewelry company or watch company really out there unless there's some no name brand trying to make a name for themselves that's buying conflict diamonds because mm -hmm. of what it is, right? Those diamonds are being traded on black markets, not white markets. Right. So, um, that's why there's this regulatory body with all these paper trail pieces, so you can you have can, some kind of assurance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so like my wife, she has an Omega. And it's got diamond markers. And uh, as part of her warranty cards, there's a little thing that says, you know, precious stone certificate. One side specifies the carat weight, the color, all the stuff you would oh, find wow. on diamond. And on the front, it says, we're adhering to the Kimberly process. No, you know, there's no conflict diamonds on this watch, you know, all of these things. And it's basically something along those lines. It says, you know, we are ethically sourcing these these diamonds. Yeah. So there's, pro there's provenance here. Like this is a thing, you know. But Breitling is trying to use the the lab grown stuff as like, hey, you know, we don't even want to get into the idea of trying to to source diamonds ethically. We're just going to trace them in a way that's sustainable, and we can reuse them because we're creating them. But legally speaking, um, they have to disclose that these are lab-grown diamonds Love and i've own, talked yeah. to i've talked to some salespeople, and they're like if people ask we have to legally tell them it's part mm. of the brightling training is like you have to disclose that these are lab created i wonder if they're trying to hit or if they eventually will reach a pivot point the quirk about luxury is something so inherently luxury items are valued more than you know the sum of their parts of what they are gems are rocks watches are pieces of metal Things are worth what people will pay. Right. I wonder if at some point the idea of a lab-grown diamond will be a selling feature. 
kind of like 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 kind of what you're talking about what they're trying to do but they're not overtly saying it. i wonder if at some point they'll be like it's lab grown diamond and someone would be like i'll pay more for that because I, 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 well cool i mean trend. right now is to bro's point too about all the boys out there trying to get engaged i mean right now lab grown diamonds are there's they're really subverting the what the the jewelry industry not necessarily the watch industry but the jewelry industry because I don't know if you've seen any advertisements, but you'll see like Anna de Armas. You know, she was one of the Bond girls in the in the most recent film. She does this 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 marketing campaign where it says only natural diamonds, which at first oh, I didn't right. really know what it was, but then I did some more research on this, and it's basically like you know, lab created diamonds are creating this whole if different type of market where essentially you can get the same color, you can get the same cut clarity of a diamond that you want for literally a quarter of the price. Huh. So. Let's say, you know, your girlfriend wants a one and a half or two carat rock, right? We're talking, you know, hundred thousand dollars just to throw out a number. You might be able to get a lab creative version for twenty-five. Mm. Right. If you're looking at both of the stones together side by side, you literally cannot perceive the difference with the naked eye. It's only until you receive the GIA certification for that respective diamond that is actually natural that the value becomes apparent because essentially you go with lab created. If you're only about the look and the flash, yeah. you go with natural. If you're about the value, the look and the flash, right? Because the other one will intrinsically have more value. Interesting. So if I went to sell two diamonds, carrot weight, all that was the same. One was lab grown. One was natural. The natural would be more, or I, I would get more back from the natural or superior. Yes, absolutely. Huh. So, but people that are looking to buy, you know, engagement rings or things like that, that they're going to propose all their girlfriends or soon to be fiance cares about is a big flashy rock. Well, then who's to say if it's lab created or if it's natural, right? Interesting. But if she ever were to turn around and sell it, it's worth basically nothing. Right. Or much less than maybe. Correct. They were led to believe. That's wild. Yeah, I won't, I won't even have even thought about all that kind of stuff with watches. And it's it's not some it's not something you're going to. I just know because again, a lot of my contacts in the industry have told me is like this is creating a problem. Yeah, I can and imagine. and we're and it's and it's just now starting to shift where it's becoming detrimental to their business model for natural stones, but it's now creating this whole undercurrent business of lab diamonds. Yeah, nuts. What uh? How much time do we have left? How long do you guys record for? Uh, pretty much until we drop dead. But uh... until <laughs> until until the first person hangs up, then that person dies. Um, should we keep going around the room? Does anyone have any more brands they want to they want to go through? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely had some uh, at least honorable mentions. I mean, as what do you got? As, uh, well, I'm just saying, I, I had like. I feel like I had these sort of tiered. I mean, we talked about IWC before. I really don't know what the mm -hmm. hell they're doing it nowadays. Like they went on this <laughs> this kick where they were all about the big pilot was the only thing they were marketing for like the longest time. I mean, they literally had a billboard and it said the big pilot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was it. That was the whole thing. And I was yeah. like, all right, kind of dumb, but fine, whatever. And when I think about IWC, like now, okay, now it's a big pilot, right? They had their little... uh Patronus F1 foray that was fun and you know they dropped the Ingenieur which was 
you know, but when I think IWC, like I think about all the marks and all the, the, you know, the spitfires and things that I liked about the brand. And I'm like, these watches don't even get recognized anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like 18,000 iterations of the big pilot and yeah. uh, Bradley Cooper. And that's what it is. <laughs> right? That's a good honorable mention. That's a good one. I, uh, I'll, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say you forgot him in a leather jacket on a motorcycle. Mm. Very aviation. Very big pilot. Much big pilot. I'll uh, I'll throw I'll throw Norcane Nor- or Norquain, however you say it, in the honorable mentions. I have no idea what is going on with that brand. Do you guys follow Norcane? Yeah, N-O-R- I do. N-O-R, yeah. Q- not, uh, not closely. Q-A-I-N, yeah. Yeah, Norcane. I have no idea what they're trying to do. Bivere was on the board. Now he's designing watches. There's a hockey player on their board. One of the former Breton people uh, are on the board mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But these are not cheap watches. I no. don't understand what they're trying to do, who the market is necessarily. I sort of want to like them because I think it's cool they have a Q in their name. That is it. I am only basing it off of that. The fact that there is a Q in their name. Which is not an appropriate way for you to make a financial decision, but like I think, this is I a think, brand that always confounds me. Not I think that advice. I think that they're getting beaverified, <laughs> if I will. Um, oh yeah, and, and the reason the reason why I say that is because I've been following Norcane for a while. I know okay. people that I know people that work for Norcane, and when I first saw, got introduced to the brand, I was like, "This is a cool brand. It's up and coming." I mean, they're probably three or four years old now. Yeah. young maybe maybe two years old now like it's it, we're talking very very young but they got big backing like you got descendants from the schneider family that were formerly with breitling as you mentioned you had bivet that that, that came onto the board um but the reason why i say they're getting bivetified is because when you look at every brand that that uh jean-claude bivet has ever been in or with a part of with the exception of maybe blanc pond and omega they become this like carbon composite skeletonized like <laughs> Hublot-ish brand. Oh yeah. You saw this with Hublot. You saw this with Zenith. And then you saw this kind of starting with Tag when they were making like forged carbon tourbillons and like all this crazy stuff. And then these brands just kind of lose all of their identity. So their big focus now is their wild one watch, which is like a carbon shock, uh, shock tested, you know, some type of sports watch. And they're marketing it with a dude that like wrestles lions or something like that. Like it's, I don't understand where the, where yeah, I was on the liver King. I was on the side. (laughs) Yes. The the liver (laughs) King. That's their ambassador. Um, But it's basically like this guy who's like, you know, he, protects wildlife in Africa, but he's like seen like photographing animals and like hugging lions and stuff. And like, that's like their ambassador. I'm like, I don't know who this dude is. So cool for him, I guess. Right. Cool uh, for hugging lions or whatever, bro. That's fun. But like, I don't know what the watch is. So I think the next year or two is going to be pivotal for Norcane because I think the wild one in its concept is cool. It looks cool. But this is a flash in the pan style. Like this is not an enduring style. Now, if you look at some of their like Freedom series and some of the other watches that they have, okay, that's a little bit more of an enduring style that can that can work. But you have to focus on that. Like this wild one watch, 
Yeah. Um, and it's literally called the Wild One. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> the odd name for a watch. Wild Stallions. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Wild Stallions. <laughs> um, but this watch is, you have to see what you're going to do with it. Is this going to be the mainstay for you? Or is this going to be like, okay, this was a technological evolution for us. We're moving on to something that's a little bit more marketable long-term. And I think yeah. that's where that's where they're on the razor's edge. Do they just fall off the cliff or do they create something cool that is much more marketable and usable? Now, the only thing to their credit is they do have the backing of, of Bivet, which, you know, he's got deep pockets and he's got a lot of industry influence. Um, and secondly... Uh, they're using Kinesi movements in a lot of their in-house stuff. Yep. So Kinesi is, you know, producing movements for Tudor, for for Chanel, for all of these other brands. Tag now as well, and so on, like one or two of their watches. Mm. Um, so you're seeing this become a more mainstay movement house, especially for kind of in-house movement manufacturing, which is good because it's not Salita, it's not your, you know, run-of-the-mill soap prods or whatever. Um, but I don't know, to your point, Kaz, like what their focus is. Like, it's a cool company. It's got a unique name. It's memorable. But where do we go from here? Yeah. But, but, but what you said, it makes a ton of sense. It's a new company. And I think the reality is they are figuring it out yeah. as they go. You can have all the perfect people in the room and all of the best backing, but that doesn't mean your first thing out the gate year one is going to be perfect. That's not to say that doesn't happen, but statistically, it no. would take them some time to figure it out. So, yeah, I saw the wild one thing with that guy, um, like mounting that lion or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening with this watch. It did give me Hublot vibes because they have this big expanded view of it, and you see the integrated yep. strap with the uh, with the actual case, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, yep, that's so. what I'm saying. That's why. That's why I always say it's, it becomes. Be verified. I like that. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> it's. I mean, it, it, you you've seen his mark on everything. Like I said, yeah. Hublot, Zenith at one point, Tag Heuer at another point, and now you're kind of seeing it on on uh, Norcane. I don't know what it is about these forged carbon skeletonized watches that he thinks is like the end all be all design aesthetic. I'm like, bro, can you just go back to like classic Blancpain and like Omega style where you did cool stuff yeah. that was yeah. enduring, you know? But no, I don't know. We don't need more avant garde. Uh, no, it, it's like it's had its moment. I mean, think of it this way. Talk about diametrically opposed designs. Like, Bivet was part of Omega when the 300 meter came out. Like, yeah. one of the most classic, iconic diving silhouettes of any watch brand ever. And then you have this. <laughs> it's like <laughs> my have the my how the mighty have fallen. You know, is it the is it the result of when great minds don't have enough editing around them because i've seen this happen yeah, with people yes, who have exactly i've yep. seen this happen with people who are really really prolific and profound early in their careers but they have a good team around them but then as they get famous they get more and more freedom to operate on their own maybe this is just him without a good team he's just forged I mean, carbon skeletonized everything <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i and, and honestly unfortunately like i just don't know how many years bivet has left to be honest yeah. with you just because yeah. he's had a lot of health battles and things over the over the years um specifically more recently as well but yeah. um so i i don't know if he's at that point where he's just kind of mailing it in you know he's just kind of like I've, i mean the guy is the guy's the, the goat you know like the guy is no, done he's nothing to prove 
He has nothing to prove anymore. Like, I mean, you can wear 10 day big bangs for the rest of eternity, my friend. My guy, you you've done you've done the deed. Um, but I don't know what that's gonna leave for the fallout for this for Norkane. That's fair. Any more honorable brand mentions for brands that just don't get it, or brands that are also just kind of figuring it out or trying to figure it out? Mm. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of brands that, like, I just feel like have fallen off the map. Like, I haven't heard anything from JLC in God knows how long. I don't know where they've been. <laughs> I miss it. They're on the side of the milk carton at this point for me. Like, yes. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> have you seen this legacy watch brand? Yeah, like, and they're not. They're not nobody. You know, they're JLC. Like, what the? We are the watchmakers, watchmaker, but we have no idea what we've made in the last ten years. Um, <laughs> I would also say Oris for me right now, like. That's interesting. It's like we lean so heavy into Kermit, and it's like, why? <laughs> like it's green. Haven't you seen how green it is? Obviously, he said uh, it ain't easy it. being green. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, okay, like you released the craziest color on the one watch collection nobody buys from your brand, and you put Muppets next to your name everywhere. And it's not a $50 watch. Like someone's going to be like, oh, that's a cool watch. Let me Google it. I'm not buying that watch. That's insane. (laughs) It's like, it's got Kermit on the date wheel. Like, (laughs) kill me. Uh, I, from, I, 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 kill me. I want to die. I want to die. Why is this happening? I feel like it's one of those things where there's certain strategies when you pitch new products and when you market new products where there are few releases that are strategically thought out. And then there's, we're going to throw as many things out there in the world as possible. And if even only 5% of that sticks, we call that a win. Oris is doing the second thing. They just throw, for me, I realized they lost their minds. They did a watch. You guys probably remember it. I don't know. Or maybe it was a fever dream. They did a watch to commemorate like, like oyster shuckers in yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, it was some like save the, uh, it was the million oyster project or whatever. Save the oyster. I have no idea what it was. It but was, the I case save the waterway. I think the oysters filter the water. Yeah. Yes. The case bag had a uh, 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 relief or an engraving of two oysters on it. The problem is, out of context, it just looked, looked like two potato chips or two raisins. <laughs> like it doesn't look like oysters to me. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. Like more than three people had to have seen this and been like, yeah, this is perfect. Roll it out. Everyone's going to love it. You know? Google it. It looks ridiculous. It looks like two potato chips lovingly laid on top of each other. Oris lost their mind somewhere. This is the the Rolex Domino's pizza of Oris. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on us. In 20 years, these Kermits are going to be worth a lot of money. (laughs) I know. I was was just thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, (laughs) oh my god. The Pringles Oris. (laughs) Jesus. I'm looking for something more of a Frito-Lay Oris. Can I get like a Frito-Lay Pro Pilot or whatever that uh, that product line? Yeah, it only comes half full. (laughs) Half your watch is air. (laughs) Half your watch is movement. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. $5, okay, so, so so real quick though, I realize why there's the dude hugging the lions because that's his name is Dean Schneider. So he's part of the Brightly family. That he's oh he's, sorry, he's those, those Schneiders. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, but basically like his that's bio, just a glorified poacher. <laughs> but his 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 bio is totally like uh like one of those like 
doctored up like hey i kind of dropped out and didn't really know what i was doing with my life and like i reinvented myself so it's like professional adventurer yeah dean schneider has always had an entrepreneurial spirit and (laughs) begun a career in finance in switzerland in 2017 he gave it all up and moved to south africa and established a wildlife sanctuary like cool bro (laughs) noble but it's like you were like the the kid that was like I grew up in money and opulence and wealth. And right? I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm renouncing my name now. It's kind of like, okay, all right. No. A tale it's is easy, all this time. It's easy to do that with a net made of gold underneath you. You yeah, just kind of exactly. do whatever you want. You're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, see exactly. what, make out, I see what's on out. Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. That's, I did not realize that was one of the Schneiders. All right, cool. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, uh, I, did, I did not either until I was like looking at the ambassadors. I'm like, oh. You're an ambassador to your own brand. I thought it was just some dude likes to make out with lions or whatever, but I guess I guess that's not that's not the case. That's cool. I, I love uh, I loved it. I love it when you said mounting the lion. It, well, he's like, I'm like, okay, you're too comfortable with that lion. You know what I mean? Like he's like, he's just like, oh, if there weren't cameras here, this would go a couple steps. For, we'd go to phase two if there weren't cameras. How many rufalins did you give that lion? <laughs> It's just do you have a idea how many? Do you have any how many roofs I had to put in that gazelle and give to that lion? <laughs> I've been doing this all goddamn day. God. It's, the li- it's just a lion that's completely cracked out, and so it just has to behave with him the whole time. He's just like, well, bro, that's what they do to the kangaroos. Kangaroos are like really aggressive. So uh, when you go to a place that's kangaroos? like, yeah, they drug them up because they'll they'll kick your ass. That's you ever seen them? They're horrible. they're jacked. Yeah, they jacked and they do and they and they do throw hands. They throw hands <laughs> oh and they kick God. you, so they, they sedate them, so you can walk over and pet them and oh look at this patchy thing. Dude, the world is horrible. <laughs> they're so gentle when they're ruhibnulled up to their eyeballs. That's interesting. Good for you, kangaroos. Good God. Oh man, Atlanta, Atlanta. I just went to a zoo this past Saturday. Now I feel terrible. I might have seen some drugged up koalas or something. That's crazy, man. Or kangaroos, the other the other K Australian animal. I'm telling you. But yeah, Google that. Going back to the the thread of conversation, Google that orange watch with the oysters. It looks like two potato chips laying on top of each other, or two raisins you forgot in the bottom of your car. I know it doesn't look like oysters mm. to me. Oh, man. I'll throw Raketa on there as an honorable mention. I don't know if you guys have heard any recent episodes, but I have been talking so much shit about modern Raketa these past few episodes. What, what, even is well. their, what even is their brand direction right now? They're Are they still brand, making big zeros? Or? Yes, but it's so far removed. All right, we're going down. We're going down. Here we path. go. I don't, know. I don't know how much time y'all wanted to lose talking to my dumbass tonight but we are so far removed from the concept of what the impetus was for Raketa. so for people at home who don't know Raketa is a lo- uh, legacy soviet uh, watch brand so when i say soviet watch brand it's a brand that was that existed in the soviet union so 1917 to approximately 1991 1992 um the reason those dates are important is when the soviet union ended all the watch brands ended except one um, because all the watch brands were owned by the government so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 1991, 1992, Soviet Union falls. Uh, Raketa um, basically gets purchased by independent business folk. And right now it is owned just independently. Um, hold on, Shmini, what's, what's funny? Did you, did you, did you find the potato chips? 
<laughs> Hold on. I'm so interested. Oh my god, it looks like potato chips. <laughs> it looks like potato chips. It looks like potato chips. More than three people I'm thought sorry. that was a good idea. I don't worry. I'm so sorry. It looks like potato chips. <laughs> it looks like goddamn potato chips. Don't be sorry. It's truth. I'm not buying a potato chip watch to save an ocean or a river I don't live near. That's crazy. Oh my me. god. Oh. oh my god. I'm sorry. That was just yeah, it looks like I don't know why no one else thought it looked like potato chips. Those are kettle me. cooked, I think. <laughs> <laughs> those are uh, mesquite dusted kettle coated. Those those are definitely those are definitely kettle cooked. That's for sure. Cape Cod. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm telling you, everyone oh. Google that watch, but don't buy it. You confuse the hell out of Oris. All right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. So Raketa Raketa's main thing now is like. They're trying to put themselves out there as like a sort of a tool watch or utility watch. So you'll see them promoting the Raketa Amphibia a lot. The concept of an Amphibia really was was in Vostok. So the, the Vostok is another Soviet mm -hmm, watch mm -hmm. brand that most most people know. Um, in the 1960s, there was a bit of a Soviet watch race to get the first 200 meter diver. A few brands tried. Raketa was one of them. They failed. Vostok was one of them. They clearly uh, succeeded. So right now, modern Vostok, they're trying to sell their amphibias as this cool legacy Soviet uh, dive watch. Mm -hmm. They're trying to sell modern iterations of the Big Zero. The problem is they're in Oris pricing. These things are like thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks. Like I bought my original what? pointing at it because it's on my wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go to the website. They've lost I'm their goddamn at minds. It. I'm looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> They've lost their actual goddamn mind. I remember when you could get a big zero for like two hundred bucks. Like they were I, dirt. They were dirt cheap. I bought my big zero. I'm pointing at it on my stupid wall. I have a wall of shells in front of me. I'm, I bought my big zero for forty or forty five bucks in like two thousand and fifteen or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know. Um, you can, if you're, uh, the problem is a lot of big zeros are very faked and frankened, especially now these days. Yeah, um, yeah. You can still find them like in that price range you're talking about in this $100 to $200 price range, or you could buy a newer, far uglier one from Raketa for like 13 or 1400 bucks. The thing is, they're still iterating on the same movement calibers they were uh, iterating on in the Soviet Union. So it's the 2.6 caliber movement. The thing is, the 2609 movement, which is in my big zero, is a uh, very simple, not complicated, uh, three-hand manual wind movement. They're still iterating on that platform, and they wanted to make it automatic, so they just put a modular uh, uh, rotor on the back mm -hmm. of the watch. And so now the watch is like 45 millimeters thick. I mean, I'm exaggerating for comedic effect, but it's like 14 or 15 millimeters thick. And it gets so thick that it no longer even looks like a big zero anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's just... it's. According They're, according to the to the spec, so this is the the automatic version is the caliber twenty six fifteen. It's an automatic movement, eighteen thousand vibrations per hour, so two point five hertz, which is ridiculously slow frequency. That's exactly um, what my old two six zero nine movement is like. That hasn't changed. <laughs> average rate is negative ten to plus twenty seconds a day. Yeah, so we're dog. talking about a thirty six uh a thirty second swing and fourteen point five millimeter thickness. Oh and by the way, it's a mineral crystal. 
at fourteen fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Very nice. There also there was a period of time to oh god I'm I'm really shitty at math four or five years ago where they tried to really make this lunge into like the luxury market and they kept saying oh we have a former Rolex employee on our staff now they don't say that anymore I always speculated it was like they say Rolex employee but it might have been the guy that like pushed the mops in the warehouse or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that yeah it could have been, like, it been the like, guy doing the mail. Like that guy's a Rolex employee, sure, but he wasn't like an engineer. I, I, I don't know, he could be an engineer. He might he might send me an angry email tomorrow. But like, Rakana's lost their damn minds. Is basically <laughs> is basically what I'm trying to say. So 100, they're an honorable honorable mention in our brands that just don't just don't get it, and it really upsets me because I like vintage Rakana's. I, I haven't heard this name in a very long time, but I'm glad you brought it up because this is not at all the Rakana that I, I remember. Back in the old days, back in the forums, trolling stuff, and they're like, "All right, get your Vostok and Amphibious Scuba Dude, and get your Raketa Big Zero. And it was like, you could spend one hundred and fifty dollars and get both. <laughs> <laughs> they, you, they used to be like uh, uh, collecting in Soviet um, vintage, vintage, vintage Soviet timepieces. Used to be a very nice, affordable way to get into vintage watches, and well, still kind of is. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Russia has bigger problems right now than trying to get watches to use. Maybe, maybe they could use the help and maybe that's why the prices, their prices went up so high. Who knows? Oh, for like modern Raketa. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would not buy a modern Raketa. Like I, yeah, I don't, I, that, that's why I draw a really like strong distinction between like Soviet Union watches and like post 1991, 1992, um, Russian Federation watches and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Rakettas lost their damn mind. It's just nuts. I know people who've bought modern Rakettas and like, oh, it's great. I'm like, is it great? Or are you just embarrassed about spending $1,400 on mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. dumb? Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely the latter. Oh, those $20 <laughs> crab legs. <laughs> I mean, look, it, at least at least you can still buy a Vostok for 75 bucks. You can still buy Vostoks out of the Kistopol watch factory for 75 hot dollars. Yeah. That is still certainly a thing, you know. Mm-mm-mm. Gotta love it. I'm telling you. Uh, I wrote Tissot just because I went to their website and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, has anyone been to the Tissot website recently? <laughs> Let's get like, it up here. It's just like they're they're advertising the thirty. I think it's the thirty-five millimeter Powermatic PRX. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. like. It's someone bowling. Oh, look at this guy. In, it's in an environment that clearly doesn't exist in reality. I don't know what's happening. Hey, so it's, it's the hyper-realized 70s, 80s, okay? This, this is This is what it looked like back then, okay? Envision, <laughs> envision the 80s. You are now <laughs> in the 80s. I'm now okay. I got it. I'm now in the 80s. I feel like I should be wearing my, 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 my Zodiac Seawolf laser tag. Watch. There you go. There you go. In this video, but yeah, I wrote them on here just because I was I was confounded. I don't understand what was happening. I, I don't mean, feel any attachment to any of these characters <laughs> at all. Well, look, I I think I think Tiso is getting the last laugh because I I don't know you I don't know how many PRXs they've sold in the last two years. So good point, good point. I mean, they could I mean, they could yeah they could put a guy mounting a line on their website and they're still gonna sell PRX models. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, like. Almost every other week that I'm somewhere in the U.S., I see somebody wearing a PRX. Like almost really? every almost every other week. Yeah, one hundred. Like in the wild. 
just in the wild and, and like i'll ask yeah. them about the watch and like yeah man it's cool like it's uh my my dad got it for me and i think it's really cool like like it they, they could care less and they're having the last lap they, 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 they love the they love the bracelet sparkle because i mean the, the prx <laughs> bracelet i mean no 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 bullshit i mean the prx bracelet when you see it in the light is really really gorgeous it sparkles yeah. really well it's way better finished than a watch that costs as much as it does or i should say as little as it does yeah. um but people love it man it's that style it's integrated it looks like something that's Heck far yeah. more expensive and again this is this is getting people into watches that would have never considered getting into watches in the first place you you rope them in with an attractive price point and then all of a sudden they've climbed down a deep dark rabbit hole that they find themselves in 10 years later and they're like yeah $25,000 sounds like a value proposition to me <laughs> that sounds like a sweet deal to me yeah so. cuz you can get a quartz you can get a quartz PRX those ones are like 3 or 400 or 2 or 300 right yeah, yeah they're exactly. not bad at all. i think 390 395 something like that That's and then they bad. came out with the digital quartz versions just recently as well uh, i don't know if you guys saw that Oh, let me see digital. Sorry if you can hear me. Talk. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't like these. I'm not gonna lie. No, I, 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 we never even talked about them on the show because they were just kind of like a nothing burger for me. But yeah, yeah I, I passed right over. It looks like a catalog watch. You ever mm -hmm. see catalog watches from mm -hmm. minor brands? They just, mm -hmm. they just pick things out of pages. That's what, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> pick things out of pages. I've never. <laughs> you just heard point. Of. You just, you just yeah. like you get your catalog and be like, I want this dial and that bracelet and here check 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 like you used to like order things in magazines and then you send them you send hong kong a check for forty thousand dollars and they send you a watch brand and you can sell one it just reminds me of a catalog watch you know it's interesting yep 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 we've heard we've heard a lot about those before right bro oh we have you can even get them with <laughs> uh actually stamped clasps and things from actual brands that's so. That's so. <laughs> one of which it happens to make a. One of which it happens to make a green dial. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I didn't see these released. These are funny, huh? Yeah, it's kind of an well, odd watch, but that's weird. Why don't we do this? Should we? Should we round it out? Revisit the topic later, or anything like that? Do, yeah, we could do, do that. Do you guys do wrist checks on here? No, Never. that's one thing we don't do. Okay. Okay. By design? Uh, it was kind of the idea in that uh, we, we wanted to sort of try to get as much into the show as possible. And we found that a lot of times when listening to shows, sometimes the wrist check gets so chaotic that uh, you just wind up with less show. Yeah. You're actually describing my show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well yeah. Well, well, no, well, sometimes, like, sometimes Michael and I will spend, like, 30 or 40 minutes on our wrist check because I'll start talking about my watch, and then we'll just start talking about our feelings, and then it's been 40 minutes, and we actually haven't gotten to the topic yet. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that mm -hmm. makes total sense. I think I think we've done it, I think we've done it physically once, mm -hmm. bro, in 100 I th well, episodes. I, th I think we, I think did, we did it, it a, once. Yeah, I think we did it with somebody as a, 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 a bit of a gimmick. Was, was it Tom? Might have been. I think it might have been Tom. I think it might have been Tom. Because he's like, oh, we should do it. And I think we did it like at the very end of the episode. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Just, just, just to appease him. Like, ah, oh, fine. I'll get it out of your system. That's funny. Well, um, congrats again on 100 episodes. That's Thanks, so man. nuts. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for joining us this evening. I mean, I think this is I think this is easily our longest episode. I think this it is has uh, to be. close to Oh, man. Hours, I'm sorry. So. 
No, not at all. No, I mean it's fitting. It's a hundred episodes. Yeah, it's number I mean, hundred, uh, one hundred. Yeah, so I, might as well, <laughs> might as well make it something special. Why not? Right. Happy to be here. Super cool. Definitely. God, I cannot, yeah. I cannot unsee the potato chips. I'm sorry, it's... <laughs> bro. You bro, are, you, you are so welcome. <laughs> you, you have to, you have to put this potato chip watch as literally the cover <laughs> of our post. I mean. It, it literally looks like two, like three lays kettle cooked potato chips chilling on the back of this watch and <laughs> trying to save some oysters or something. Who God knows what it is, but yeah, I don't think it's a cheap watch either. No, it's a freaking Oris. Like it's, and it's mother of pearl. I think it's three thousand dollars for three lays potato chips. You got a thousand dollars. You got a thousand dollars of potato chip on there. That is a sweet. That's a that's value for money. Okay. There you go. There you right go. Right there. <laughs> I cannot unsee it. You're all welcome at home. Enjoy your potato chip watches. Listen, if the watch annual hits me up for a me- another meme again in their in their print, I will make it the Lay's potato chip. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? Somebody out there is listening to us somewhere in the world, and they took their watch off, and they're like, "God damn it!" Like, oh. God. <laughs> right to it watch. It does look right, like a potato. Chip. Right to the forum for sale. <laughs> Damn. What, what what was that what is that thing it's like uh um new to me but moving it on or something like that what, what did they always used to say back then didn't connect or something like that <laughs> my loss is your game there you go <laughs> i gotta upload this thing before other people find out about i gotta it. i gotta sell this before everyone listens to this episode Shit. Oh, my loss is your game baby potato chip watch Next year we're gonna get a Watches and Wonders Aura's potato chip watch, and it's gonna be legit and real. Um, then I'm gonna then we can be happy knowing they listen. They listen to the show. Oh, I will. I will be honest, bro, and I know unofficially that some people listen to this show for sure. Yeah. Oh, there's I no, there's, that. there's no way that they, that they don't. That's funny. Well, thanks for the potato chip watch, Oris. <laughs> Sweet deal. Looking for something in a Pringles Tiso, Pringles PRX Tiso. Oh my god, that's that's the next evolution. Food brand collapse. <laughs> brand collapse. Laffy Taffy Rolexes. That's gonna be huge. I'm pumped. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that's all I got. So, all right. I think I think we can finally see this one off. So, Cass, thanks again for coming on with us. It's been a pleasure. I think it's gonna be a fun episode for everybody to listen to. Folks at home, thanks for sticking with us. 100 episodes. Again, I don't know if you're getting 100 more, but I guess we're going to find out. Eh? <laughs> I believe right. in you. I think <laughs> I can do it. That means a lot. All right, folks. Uh, to all of you at home, thanks again. We'll catch you next week. See you later. Peace. Later. Peace. Peace.